0: Would you stand with me? Lord, we just set our heart and our affection on you. We open our hearts to hear your word, to be encouraged, to be challenged, to be convicted, to be motivated. Lord, we want to draw closer to you. So, Father, we choose to have ears to hear what you want to say to us today. And hearts to apply your word. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for your love for us. And we thank you, Father, for your word that nourishes us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. for the last several weeks, I've been talking about dreaming again. The word of the Lord for 2019 from the Lord is to dream again. And we talk about why that's so important. Because for various reasons, a lot of people stop dreaming. And we're talking about the dreams that God has put in your heart. The dreams that are connected to the, the relationship that you have with him. You know, a lot of people have all kinds of dreams. And not all dreams are God's will and God's desire. But Jesus said, if you abide in Him, which means to be intimately acquainted, connected to Him, and His Word abides in you, then you ask whatever you desire, and He will do it. The Bible also says that if you delight yourself in the Lord, He will give you the desires of your heart. And what I believe that practically means is as we get close to the Lord, as we, as we spend time with Him and allow His heart to impact our hearts, then what happens, the things that are in the heart of God become, they end up in our hearts. And, it's, and, and some things are, are common and similar for every believer, but a lot of things are unique for each and every one of us. In other words, He puts things, He births things inside of you that He wants to accomplish through you. And then sometimes we, we think it's, it's something we came up with. You know, oh my goodness, God, I really want to do this. I really have a desire to, to, to go after this, to, to help um, people who are addicted to drugs. You know, we have Teen Challenge, a powerful, amazing ministry that's designed, that's raised up to help people get set free from drug addiction. And not just to get set free from drug addiction, but they also disciple. They make disciples of Jesus Christ. Someone had a dream of, for that, and God put that in that person's heart, or those people's hearts, and now it's a reality. You know, some people have it in their hearts to go after and rescue those who are caught in the sex slave industry. I've heard of people. That's just their passion. There's a lady named Christine I think her name's Christine Kane, from Australia. That's her passion. And they they rescue women and rescue children and people, victims. And they they help them get set free. But see, that's God's heart that he put inside of her and wanted to bring it through her. And so there are things that God has put in your heart. Some little and some huge. Maybe God told us he was going to do something through us many years ago, and it hasn't happened yet. And for whatever reason, we've gotten discouraged And disillusioned or whatever. And the Lord's saying it's time to to shake that off and begin to draw close to him again in a dream again. And so that's what we've been talking about for the last number of weeks. And so we've been talking about how do I posture myself to partner with God to see these dreams come to pass. To see what he wants to do come through me. And we talked about repenting. Number one is repenting and turning our lives to Jesus. Recommitting. Some of us got saved when we were little kids and we've been living not for him as adults. Well, it's time to turn back to him. Number two, we need to let go of disappointment, offense, and unforgiveness. As we've talked about, those things will rob you of your purpose and destiny in God. If you allow offense, to, if you partner with that, that will rob you of all kinds of things. It will poison your soul. And number three, we need to make building our relationship with Jesus our number one priority, period. And number four, it's time we become more impressed with Jesus than we are the giants. And see, that was the difference between David and other men of Israel. They were extremely impressed with Goliath. They were looking at him, and they were comparing themselves to Goliath, and of course he was a big man. Nine and a half foot tall. Big man. And they were afraid. It said they were hiding and they were shaking. David looked at this man and compared him to God and saw how small he was. And David went after him. And we all know the story of David taking out this giant. But David was thoroughly impressed with God. And the Lord told me a few weeks ago when I was in the mountains of Zacatecas, he said, son, it's time to become more impressed with Jesus than the giants. Because we find ourselves very impressed with the problem, very impressed with the word cancer. It's like, it, it, it's like oh, my goodness. Or whatever illness that, that's becoming more and more prevalent in our culture. And it's time to get our eyes on Jesus and become impressed with him. And the only way that's going to happen is to spend time in his presence. To make our relationship with him our number one priority. Amen? We've been doing a lot of talk about David. Because that's one cool dude. Really appreciate him. And I want to talk about today one huge quality about David that set him up for success as a king. One, I was going to try to talk about two, and as I was working on it, I was like, I can't get all this in in one month. It was so much. And and I just felt like I just need to focus on one. I want to talk about one quality, one huge quality about David that set him up for success as a king. David was one of the best kings in history. Even though he made some bad choices. Matter of fact, the choices, some of the horrific choices that he made, adultery, murder. That diminished the potential he could have had. But he was still one of the best. And it's like, what made him so great? One of the qualities. It's not the only one, but it's one of them. And it's actually a fruit of the Spirit that I discovered recently. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. David developed faithfulness. He became a faithful young man. And that's, the, that's one of the qualities that I believe enabled him to be an amazing king. Luke chapter 16, verse 10 through 12, in the NLT. Jesus says, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, you will tr- who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted With things of your own. Faithfulness. Now how do we know David was faithful? Well in 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 34 through 37. We're given a glimpse into what it was like when David was taking care of his father's sheep. Now we remember that David was the youngest of eight sons. And he had the wonderful task of taking care of his father's sheep. That was given to him. And here's how he did it. He kind of explained some things to Saul. In verse 34, it says, But David said to Saul, Your servant. Now this is after David tells King Saul, he said, King, paraphrasing, don't worry about that giant. I'll take care of him. I'll take care of the giant. And then Saul's like, David, you can't do that. You're just a kid. And this man's been fighting since he was a kid. He's like, son, I appreciate your enthusiasm, but this is, this is beyond you. And then David goes on to explain this way. And he says, but David said to Saul, your servant was tending his father's sheep. Say father's sheep. father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went out after him and attacked him and rescued it from its mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard Everybody say beard, not goatee. I seized him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them since he has taunted the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And then Saul said to David, go and may the Lord be with you. There are some interesting things in here. Back at the beginning, David said to Saul, Your servant was tending his father's sheep. You notice he didn't say, I was tending my sheep. He said, I was tending my father's sheep. How do people typically tend to handle things that don't belong to them? We don't treat other people's things as nicely as we do ours, do we? I mean, if you think about like government cars, if, if, if you work for the government or you work for an agency and they give you a, you're able to use a, a company car, we typically don't treat those as nice as our own stuff. I mean, that's just kind of common, unfortunately. But right here, David said, I was tending my father's sheep and the lion and the bear came after him. When he would snatch one of them, I went after him. In other words, David was treating his father's sheep as though they were his own sheep. So much so that he was willing to put his own life in jeopardy to protect this little thing. This little stinky, smelly, furry animal. Now think about this. Why does that make a lot of sense? How does that make any sense? Putting your life at risk for this little animal. You know, a lot of times we put value, you know, we place value on things according to what we think. But what David did was he placed the value on that lamb or those lambs based on the value that his father put on them. See, those sheep were valuable to David's father. They might not have been valuable to David. But because they were valuable to David's father... David made them valuable to him. So much so that he was willing to put his life in harm's way. And see, a lot of times we look at people and we don't place a lot of value on them. Until we realize the value that God has placed on them. See, if you want to look at somebody and, and think, you know, the the quote-unquote lowest person you could think of, the homeless or whoever that you would think is the lowest. If you want to know how valuable that person is, Jesus. That's how valuable that person is because Jesus gave his life for that person. So in other words, when we encounter or deal with people or see people, We need to see them through the value that the Father has placed on them, not the value I place on them. And when we begin to do that, we're going to treat people differently. Make sense? David saw the sheep through the value of his father. And when he rose up and he went after the lion and the bear, and it says, and when it rose up against me, I seized him by the beard and struck and killed him which shows me that David was in hand-to-hand or hand-to-paw combat with these things. Let me think about it. Grabbing a lion or a bear, either one is off the charts. Grabbing them by the beard. That's how intimately involved David was with the enemy. And he took them out. Because that thing... Lion or bear, was attacking his father's prized possession. And David said, not on my watch. And so he's explaining to the king, so when David sees Goliath, who is taunting and intimidating and threatening to kill God's sheep, God's people, David, who was anointed as king when he was a kid, See, that anointing came on him. And the power and the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David. Now, David wasn't set in as king at that time, but the Spirit of the Lord came upon David. And see, when David was taking care of those sheep, you know what he was doing? He was practicing being king. And when he saw or heard Goliath coming after his people that he was going to be the king of, because he was already in his heart to be king... So he saw his people about to be taken advantage of by this giant. And David said, that's not going to happen. And we see what David did. We see what David did. Do you realize that champions are not developed on the battlefield? They're discovered on the battlefield. But they're developed when they're back there taking care of the sheep. See, David didn't all of a sudden become brave and bold and mighty when he faced Goliath. He was already that. That, that situation presented the opportunity for him to reveal who he was. Because he was faithful with the little, which caused him to encounter the lion and the bear, And he got to experience the reality of God, the protection of God, the deliverance of the Father. And so then when he came upon this big thing, it's like, same thing. Same thing. Some people want to have a big ministry someday, but they won't faithfully serve now in another ministry. Some people want their own successful business someday but they won't work hard at their current job. How you are working and serving now is setting the stage for what you will get to do later. A lot of times we're waiting for the big opportunities. We're waiting for the opportunities that are in front of people. We're waiting for the opportunities that will bring fame or attention or accolades and all that. David wasn't getting any of that when he was back taking care of those sheep. But he was faithfully serving faithfully serving. So what do I need to do? Second to our relationship with Jesus, we need to make loving and serving people our highest priority. Second to loving Jesus, we need to make loving and serving people our highest priority. Not ministry, not whatever, but loving and serving people. Matter of fact, if we see it, I believe in the the right perspective, every opportunity we're giving, whether it's a big ministry or whether it's a big business, the purpose of that platform is for you to have more opportunity to love and serve people. Jesus said, the greatest leader will be the what? Will be what? The greatest servant. You know when Jesus, when there was a time when his disciples were arguing over who was the greatest? You guys remember that? You know, they're saying, you know, I cast out ten demons out of that lady. Did you see that? What you got? He says, man, I healed the man with the broken. You know, they were, they were boasting and, and arguing over who was the greatest. And Jesus heard that. He knew what was going on. Do you know that he did not rebuke them for desiring to be great? You know, when you hang out with Jesus, it's kind of hard not to feel that greatness. I mean, Holy Spirit is inside of you. How much greater than that does it get? How has he not designed us for greatness? He did not Rebuked them for desiring to be great. He just showed them how. He showed them what it looks like. See, when we think of greatness, even now when I say God has designed us for greatness, it rubs some of you the wrong way. Because when we think of greatness, we think of everybody serving me. We think of everybody looking at me. We think of everybody bowing down and telling me how great I am. That's not what Jesus was talking about. He said, the greatest leader is the greatest servant. So he's saying, guys, it's okay for you guys to want to be great, but here's how to do it. And as long as you're going after it in this way, we're good. Because he said, you know, people of this world, they lord it over people. In other words, you boss people around in our society the way to, to achieve greatness is you, you, you use other people. You use other people, you abuse them, you push them out of the way, you manipulate, you lie, you cheat. You do all that stuff so that you can rise to the top. But Jesus says, love, serve. And then he adds two more things, love and serve. Love and serve. And so the things he's put in your heart, if it's to have an amazing business. And the reason why I I think that example keeps coming out is because there are many of you in here who have that entrepreneur thing inside of you. There's something inside of you that wants to create and wants to maybe invent, that wants to have your own business. And that is OK as long as you do it his way. as long as you see that as an opportunity to love and serve people on a bigger scale. if you have a business that has 10 employees say it right, 10 employees, then you love and serve those 10 employees well. If you have a business where you have 100 or a1,000, 1, then you just have the opportunity to love and serve more. It's not that you have more people working for you making you look good. Is you have the opportunity to influence and bless and serve more people. Are you getting this? Is this making any sense? But it starts with being faithful with what we have now. Second to your relationship with Jesus, make loving and serving people your highest priority. Do you realize that God chooses to use the people in your life, your environment, your current situations, and even circumstances to develop his character in you so that you can wonderfully impact other people's lives for their good and God's glory? God uses our environment, our circumstances, our current job, what we're doing. His desire is for you to partner with him, cooperate with him, to allow him to develop his character in you his character in you so that you can be more effective in impacting people galatians 5:22 and 23 says but the fruit of the spirit but the fruit of the spirit is love everyone say love you notice that's the first one i don't think that was an accident but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience Kindness, goodness. What's that next one? Faithfulness. Wow. Faithfulness. That's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Gentleness, self control. Against such things, there is no law. Faithfulness. The Holy Spirit's inside of us, and these are His qualities. So God wants to develop those qualities into our lives. Now, just because we have the Holy Spirit inside of us doesn't mean that we have these qualities developed in our lives, right? It's not automatic. All of a sudden, I become a Christian. I'm born again. God's Spirit comes inside of me, and all of a sudden, I'm full of love. Well, actually, I am full of love, but I'm not necessarily walking in love, right? don't want to contradict myself. So I have that in me: love, joy, peace, patience, faithfulness, gentleness, kindness. How many of you know some Christians that could use act a little more kind? But how many of us know people that are that are that are Christians, but they're unkind, they're unloving, they're impatient, lack self-control, they're grumpy, they're negative. They complain all the time. I mean, all these things. It's like, man, they've been they've been a Christian for 30, 40 years. Or 10 or 5. So just because we're a Christian doesn't mean that these qualities are developing in us or being developed. We have to cooperate with him. And he will use all the circumstance or any circumstance in our life. We just cooperate with him. It can develop the character of God in us. Amen? Let's turn to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25. Verse 14. New Living Translation. Parable of the three servants. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated... By the story of a man going on a long trip, he called together, everybody say together. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last. Dividing it in proportion to their abilities, would you please say abilities, You notice he didn't say dividing it according to their value or their worth. Notice he didn't say that. He said according to their abilities. In other words, he didn't say, okay, you get five bags because you're worth five bags. You're only worth one bag. Had nothing to do with their value or their worth. It was their abilities. That's important to to Remember. Then he left on his trip. Verse 16. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. So he began to work. Invest and work. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. So he worked and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver. But the servant who received the one bag of silver. Did't say anything about him going to work. says he dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. Now remember the word that we mentioned earlier, according to their abilities. Remember that word? So the master gave these people this amount according to their abilities, which means that this, this third guy, who was given one bag He had the ability to do something with it, but he chose not to. He had the ability. So it wasn't that he wasn't able to. He had the ability, but he chose. He made a choice. See, many of us have abilities. All of us have abilities. But we're choosing what we're going to do with those abilities. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. Verse 19. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they used whose money? His money. Not their money. His money. Verse 20. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more the master was full of praise well done my good and faithful servant you have been faithful in handling the small amount so now i will give you many more responsibilities let's celebrate together so the guy had five he was given five and he produced five more and the master had good things to say about him and he said let's celebrate or enter into the joy of your of your king in other translations Verse 22, the servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver. I wish he had given me three more because I think I can do as much as this guy next to me. It's not what he said, is it? He said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling the small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Although, I wish you would have done as much as this other guy had done. Is that what he said? Do you realize, and I looked at it over and over, that you had one guy bring in five more and one guy bring in two more, and they got the same reward. They got the same praise. Because they were both faithful with what they were given, and they doubled it. And they received the same praise from the father or from the the master. Verse 24, then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid. How many of you guys know that fear is not a good thing? How many of you realize that fear will rob us of our potential? It will hold us back. The abilities that we have, the abilities that you have to impact people's lives. If you partner with fear, then you're going to end up burying. Instead of doing something with what you have been given. Verse 25, I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Now remember... The master gave this guy this bag according to his ability. So he knew he could do something. He chose not to because of fear. And he also said, I know that you are a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. In other words, he's saying, you don't deserve what you got, but you got it. And I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. So at least he gave him the money back. You know one thing else I find interesting. The two first guys, now isn't this the same master? In other words, this isn't the master of the first two guys wasn't one person and then this guy had a different master. Isn't it the same guy? Isn't it one master? Are you are you with me? Follow me. Same guy. Different opinions. Different attitude. See, this last guy who was afraid, he had a different opinion towards the master, and so his opinion caused him to act differently. The first two guys were not really sure what their opinion was, but that didn't matter. They served faithfully. In other words, a lot of people look at people and see people as an obstacle for you moving forward, whether it's your boss, your, your employer, your a co-worker, your parents, your siblings, your spouse, we look at people as an excuse as to why I can't do what I need to do, as to why I can't do what God's called me to do. If these people would get out of the way, then I'd be able to do great things for the king. And too many people are hiding behind excuses cuz we're looking at people. If you're waiting for people to get perfect, you ain't doing nothing. Same master. Two of them didn't, they just did their thing and one said, "You know, you do you get things you you reap where you don't sow, you're harsh, you're all this kind of stuff." And plus I was afraid Then he says, look, here's your money back. I guess he thought the master would be excited because he got his money back. Verse 26, but the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. Wicked and lazy. So right there, that's what the guy's problem is. He had the ability, but he was lazy. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. And then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. Now this is interesting right here. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. Now we've already seen that. He demonstrated that. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now, throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What is that? Oh, teeth? So it's pretty interesting. We can hide behind excuses. We can be frustrated. We can complain. We can gripe. We can do all. And we do that, right? Let's just be real. The griping, the complaining. Oh, if things were different. If things were better. If he would be this way. If she would act this way we allow people and their weaknesses or wherever they're at, we allow that to influence us and then we choose to not do what we have the ability in Christ to do because we're hiding behind excuses or we're just flat out lazy. We have ability. Remember, champions aren't developed on the battlefield. They're discovered. They're developed in the back fields with the sheep. You know, how you are at work, doing the task that you've been assigned to, the attitude that you carry in that that environment, even if it's a job that's maybe not the funnest or you're, you're, you're in a, a situation that maybe at one point you loved the job, but now you're just kind of bored. Peter's not saying that you can't or shouldn't do anything about that. But while you are in that situation, how should you, how should you act? If you believe that God has greater things for you, hold on to that belief, but be faithful with what you have right now. Because we'd see from his word that if we are faithful with what we have, then he can entrust us with more. I mean, it's a principle of the kingdom that's plain and simple, but we don't get it sometimes. We think if I just had better then I would do better. That's not the case. I shared this before, and I'm sure you guys have heard this before. Statistics show hands down when people who win the lottery, who win millions and millions, hundreds of millions of dollars, or however that is, that a few years later, they are worse off than they were before they won the lottery. Now, see, we would think, huh, Give me $100 million and see what I do with it. But if you're not taking care of your $40,000 a year or your $100,000 a year, then guess what? If you're squandering that, if you're living beyond your means now, and you're not budgeting, you're not taking care of your finances now with your $20,000, 40000 $200,000, then guess what's going to happen when you get the $10 million or 100000000 million? You're going to treat it the exact same way. It's not all of a sudden, they knock on your door, publisher's clearing house and says, here's a check for $10 million. And all of a sudden, the character comes inside of you and you have this character to manage your money wonderfully. All of it, it didn't happen that way. But it's being faithful. How many times have you heard people say, I've heard people say, it, you know, when I get more money, then I will give like nobody's business. Are you giving now? No. Then guess what you're going to do when you have a lot more money? The exact same thing you're doing now. It's a principle of the kingdom, being faithful with what we have now. You know, I was talking to my son the other day, my oldest, and, we, and somehow we got on this topic And he says, you know, Dad, what I've I've been doing, what he does is he says, I act like I'm driving my dream car now. And I act like I'm working at my dream job now. And he explained what he meant. He drives a 2010 Cobalt. Not a fancy car. Just a normal, average car. But he treats it like it's his dream car. So he says, so when his friends are in it and they're about to get out and they leave their mess in there, he says, hey, hey, bro, don't forget your trash. This is my ride. And he says, they look at him like, you kidding me? I mean, it's just a cobalt. He says, this is my dream car. And his job, he works it as if it's his dream job. Now, what is that doing? That's developing faithfulness. Our attitude. You know, I've heard a saying, your attitude determines your altitude. Let that sink in. Your attitude determines your altitude. Some of us are stuck on the ground because our attitude stinks. An attitude has nothing to do with our circumstances. It's the posture of your heart. See, all of us can be smiles and, and excited and faithful when everything's going well. But that's not when our, our character is not developed when everything's going well. And we all understand that. Our character is developed when we're going through hardships. When we're having to deal with a, a coworker or a boss that is unbearable or just hard or, or whatever. It's like, God, I'm having a hard time. Just get me out of this situation. And I'll do better. If you would see your job or your current state in this light, he's training you to be a champion. He is developing you if you will cooperate with him. And if you will go to work with the attitude, I'm going to love my coworkers, I'm going to love my boss, I'm going to pray for him or her. She's not fair or he's very whatever. But begin to pray over them and bless them. Jesus said to love our enemies and bless those that curse us and all that kind of thing. He told us to do that, and he gives us the grace to do it. So if I go and maybe have the name of my whoever I'm having challenges with on my bathroom mirror, so as I'm brushing my teeth whatever, I'm declaring the goodness and the love of God over this person. I'm saying, Father, I pray that you would overwhelm them with the love that you have for them. Help them to walk in the fullness of what you have. And then as you're praying for them, maybe he will give you insight and say, you know, they're really having a hard time because his mother is dealing with the situation. And so this person is acting out this way because of the pain that they're dealing with. And maybe he gives you that insight because he can trust you with it. And then so you begin to partner with the father and begin to pray for that person's situation. And you begin to love that person. You begin to encourage that person. You look for opportunities. I'm not talking about brown nosing. I'm not talking about being nice to the boss, to their face, but then talking bad about them when they're not around. But being a, a source of encouragement to them and blessing them. And you are developing those muscles of becoming a champion. Because see, everybody runs and hides when it gets hard. And then everybody comes out when it's easy. But God's looking for the champions who will stand up in Goliath's face and says, not on my watch. That's not happening anymore. Treat the job. If you work, for example, for Walmart, and I always use Walmart as an example because we all know where Walmart is, right? If you work for Walmart, act like you own the place. And here's what I mean by that. Bless Walmart and pray for it as if it were yours. Pray for the people there. Pray for the customers. Pray for increase in revenue. I mean, just go after it. Whatever job you work for, treat it as if it were yours. Amen? See, I'm looking at a bunch of champions here. Would you stand up with me? Sometimes I get a little passionate, just a little bit. The Lord has, has allowed me to be in a situation that, where I see more than I used to see before. You know, I love this community. I am so in love with the Stillwater community. It's mine. Stillwater is mine. It's also yours too, but it's mine. And I love this community. And I see people differently now than I did three years ago. And I have the privilege of being in situations where I see the the subcultures, the negative, horrific subcultures of, of this community. Whether it's drug or brokenness, you know, going into homes and and it's just bad. Or being on a scene and there was a suicide. So I'm seeing things that I've never been privileged to see before. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. One, because I get to serve people that I've never had the opportunity to serve. For me to go walk with an officer up to a door, to have to tell someone, are you so-and-so? Is, this, is your daughter's name so-and-so? Yes, it is. Sorry to tell you, we'll never, she died. Now, why, does, why am I excited about that? Because I get to be in a situation where grace is needed. Where life Light, encouragement is needed. I get to serve the officer. I get to serve that family. But I'm also invited to the places where darkness, you see the darkness. And the reason why I get excited and I get passionate because I see the answer to the darkness that's out there. The darkness doesn't intimidate me. It encourages me to encourage you to keep going because they need you. They need you. The life that is in you, the encouragement, the gifts that you have, who you're walking with, who you serve, they need that in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I get excited because I see it in your eyes that you're saying, yeah, bring it. Give me the opportunity, Lord, to love more people. And he's saying, I love that. Just serve and love the people that I have in your life right now. And he will bring more. He will bring other opportunities, maybe bigger ones. But just faithfully serve those that you have the opportunity to love and serve now. Amen? I would you put your hand over your heart? I just want to invite you to pray. We're not doing a Pledge of Allegiance right now, but. It's like a posture of just inviting the Lord just to to deal with our hearts. Father, I do stand here encouraged because of what you are doing in our midst, in our lives. Lord, we're not content. We're just living our lives and surviving. But we want your assignment. We want to walk in the fullness of everything that you've designed us for. We want to impact people's lives and see light brought into the darkness. You said we are the light of the world. You only need a light in dark places. So we choose to let our light shine before men in such a way that they will see our good works and glorify you. Father, we choose to partner with you and allow you to develop in us the qualities of Jesus, the characteristics of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience gentleness, kindness, self-control, those qualities, Father. We choose to partner with you by coming after you, by grabbing a hold of you, by reading your word, devouring your word, spending time with you, Jesus. That's the choice we're making. And welcoming. When we find ourselves in challenging circumstances, then we say, okay, Lord, what do I do? How do you want me to be in this situation? And we will choose to allow the attitude of heaven to begin to invade that place. The heart of our Father to begin to impact people through us. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your grace right now over all of us that enables us to do your will. We give you praise, we give you honor, and we thank you In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'd like to invite the ministry team to come up real quick. And I want to encourage you as we close, we're going to have people up here who would be more than happy to pray for you. If you're dealing with a sickness or an illness, and maybe you've been prayed for a hundred times, Let's go for 101. Or you have a challenging situation. You are frustrated like crazy. Come and receive grace. Come and say, God, I just, I'm, 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 you know, I can't even mouth it. Come and let the Lord just encourage you. That's what we are here together for. We need each other. I get discouraged. Me, C.J. Ellis, I get discouraged But my brothers and sisters come and encourage me. And it's like, thank you. And that helps me to keep moving forward. We need each other. We need each other. So when we dismiss, I invite you to come up. So bless you. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you guys next time. And go and love people. I mean, overwhelm them with the love of God through you. Amen. You guys have a wonderful week and we'll see you next time. God bless you.